Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Anime Was Not a Mistake, subtitle Sinister Six 14... 20? Yeah. Jeez. Quite the anniversary. <laughs> Run the gamut, man. Yeah, quite the anniversary. <laughs> and here I am, not even in my in my Sunday best. Well, uh, well yeah, I'm in a shroud. Uh, but anyway, mm. I'm Dan Ryan, a framing device within a framing device, and joined, as always, by my co-host... I'm Jonathan Kwiatkowski. I was once the emotional um, electronic pet toy you needed until that Megan came along. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, so uh, you know, we're gonna get to Megan in a second. Mm-hmm. We gotta, we gotta get to that gal mm-hmm. in one moment. But it's fitting, because uh, today's all about the movies. Yeah. The bad movies. Yeah. Well, some good movies. Mm-hmm. We gotta talk about some good. Yeah. But then, mostly all bad. bad yeah, and uh, I, 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 yet again, I have to apologize right off the bat in forcing you to watch Elvis yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have to address to our fans that even though this episode came out a week later, yes, we in fact did not kill Lisa Marie, Marie Presley. We did um, not. Our podcast just always has a habit of coinciding with something that happens, mm-hmm. always in a negative light. It's yes. never a positive thing that we manifest into the world, but we just want to say... No, we did not have a hand in that. No, we literally did not. And we 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 actually pick and choose carefully what we say on this podcast. <laughs> so we don't want to mention any celebrities, but but sometimes we have to, yeah. and and in the process, I don't know. The universe just chooses to do that. And then but it's kind of always around our sister sixes too. It like is something happens. We suggest it. It's the curse of yeah. the yeah. curse of the sister six. Oh my I, god. But no, we we recorded that episode before even the Golden Glo- like before yeah. she even appeared at yeah. the Golden Globes. Yeah. So we we had no way of knowing no. what was gonna happen. No, <laughs> and, and Dan I, suffered enough anyway. So <laughs> no, I did. We don't want any more blame. That's that's my PSA for okay. for uh, for this. Um, last week, or you know, when we watched Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, I left here pretty steamed. Good. I, I did the, the yeah. Arthur clenched fist meme, mm-hmm. and I was ready to get revenge on Jonathan by any means necessary. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. as I went through the week, I took a few walks to dust in the wind, mm-hmm. I played some One Piece, and I cooled down. Yeah. Uh, my A cooler head prevailed, and mm-hmm. I decided, nah, I'm not going to do that to Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Um, so, last week when I teased heroes, villains... And creepy crawlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna make an addendum to that. Uh, 
Today's pod is instead pretty much villains, villains, and creepy crawlies. Oh, okay, I like that. Um, because when the time comes that Jonathan's karmic meter finally does push but me over the edge... You say that! I only had Popeye and that so far. No, so, that's like, why yeah, yeah. That's why I you haven't... really upset you, yeah. You haven't upset me mm-hmm. truly yet. You know, just, uh, one cool, you know, again, yeah. I thought about it. Um, but, uh, I'm saving something like Black Adam, okay. or let's say a Star Trek movie, mm. for, for when I really need to drop the hammer. Okay. Um, but also, the three in the pot today, mm. they are all shit. Oh, okay. Rest assured. Okay. But, I didn't want to bump any of them. Mm. Because I legitimately think that, even if, I, who, who knows, who's to say if the viewings will end up being boring, but... They all have weirdly complex stories behind them, mm. and I did not want to bump any of them for, like, a big blockbuster, because they, they did get a chance yeah. in life, yeah. so, you know, why, why would I, you know, take them out of the pot now? Using so. the necromancy of the Sinister Six pot, yes. <laughs> we can give them a new life, Dan. We can, yeah. And, uh, so that's why, you know, the, the pot has been altered in the way it has, um, but really it's just because these three have kind of... They've been waiting for a while, yeah. so I think we'll have plenty to goof on uh, without having to do a, a two-and-a-half-hour dive into Dwayne yeah. Johnson and mm-hmm. etc. So mm-hmm. wanted to give us a breather before, you know, you start anime next week. Yes. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do... Today will be a casual episode. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Come as you are. Yes. Uh, I've got very minimal news to share this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that we experienced together... Uh, do you want to get that out of the way first? Sure. All right. So we went to the cinema show. Mm-hmm. There was uh, some rating brewings online on Rotten Tomatoes and such that Megan was the new hit comedy horror classic. Mm-hmm. And going into it, I was very hyped. I love a good uh, horror icon mm-hmm. who's in the shape of a little girl that has a busted ass weave and a little bow and dress. Yes. Um, I liked it. I thought I was going to like it a little bit more, but I can see room for this franchise to grow. Certainly. Yeah. I would say mm-hmm. that, as per friend of the podcast Matt Cabrera's musings, yes. this could be one of those situations, like we saw with like '80s horror franchises, mm-hmm. where like the second one blows everything, like blows even the first one out of the water because mm-hmm. they know what to cut and yeah. what to emphasize, and it's like. I got a good feeling about Megan. Mm-hmm. I think she's sticking around for some time. Mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that there would be that many children in the audience, but apparently the movie's only rated PG-13. But there was a lot of curse words in there. And, yeah. like, things that I was like, oh, are kids really that desensitized now that that can just go on by? I I guess so. Yeah. Because... Yeah, no, it was, it was like a, a mom with, like, 12 kids and, mm-hmm. and you know... She, she wasn't like, you know, like, oh, God, like she wasn't yeah. like shooting no, she them. Was she like, was yeah, like yeah. laughing along with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was very it was because it was interesting. Cause like, obviously, the, those kids weren't too into the film, into the film. Yeah. But then behind us were like several older folks who were legitimately scared. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's very <laughs> weird. And it's not a scary movie. I wouldn't say anything was scary. Even if you're no. afraid of dolls, like no. there's dead silence. There's like it had it had Annabelle scarier. It had jump scares, but they did the thing where like the music cued you in that there's about to be yeah. a jump. So it's yeah. like you couldn't really. You warned me to hold my popcorn tight. Lest if anything I throw was scary it was just Allison's <laughs> acting. So yeah, uh, I'll, really, really can't. I'll fully admit. To Hopefully that. Hopefully, she went to jail at the end of that film. <laughs> She's culpable for everything that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
But Tony Stark didn't face justice for Ultron, no. so no. there might be there might be new legal code that mm-hmm. goes into how robots are persecuted. Yeah. So <laughs> I enjoyed how campy it knew it was. Mm-hmm. And I expect even more camp in the future. Yes. Um, definitely more of a comedy than a horror. And you gotta just go with it. Because mm-hmm. I did see some people say, like, oh, this is stupid. I'm like, yes, it's stupid. Yeah. But let that unite us. We're all dumb. Yeah, and I have no problem with that becoming a trend. Because it seems like... Because we've got Malignant, obviously, mm-hmm. from some of the same people. Yeah. Uh, we got, like, Barbarian. We got, mm-hmm. like... You know, this, a lot of movies recently that play into just being horror movies. Yeah. Like, they're not, like, anything like the Bye Bye Man and that adjacent era to that movie where it's like, oh, this is the edgy new urban legend that's gonna Mm -hmm. fucking haunt your... Like, no, it's just, like, in Smile. Smile managed to get trending, too. Yeah, Smile, I didn't see it, but I hear the ending takes a twist that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. Alright, that's cool. Um, yeah. So, again, we're in some kind of little horror renaissance here mm-hmm. i like it stupid horror renaissance yeah yep uh i enjoyed it like i said can't wait to go back uh i don't know what movies are coming out lately uh i guess we'll talk about that when that comes up on the podcast well, it is january yeah we're, we're is in that the... a dead time for movies i don't know it is yeah. yeah it's apparently it's a dead time for tv movies and i guess youtube because mm. that's why some people haven't been posting yeah, lately i've been noticing that too i can't come home to my daily uh video game playthrough because apparently the algorithm is really really not good in january i don't know i'm why. sure our podcast will beat that algorithm uh, i yeah. i can only hope yeah. something in this pod has to do yes. it but the the uh, you know unless like a new site picks us up because of elvis and then we mm-hmm. you know yeah we get canceled but i don't know so yeah <laughs> um but, but yeah anything else for you to share um my biggest news of the week mm-hmm. um well technically very small anime related news because we have more, a selection of anime coming in anticipation of our big event. Yeah, that's we've got five episodes until the, the 200th. So, you know, I'm obviously doing my best to expand my anime horizons a bit. But the one thing I can disclose, obviously, because I already disclosed it, been still going through JoJo's. Mm-hmm. I've moved on to Golden Wind after uh, Diamond is Unbreakable wowed me. Yeah, that's what um, hits you when I leave the bathroom, a golden wind. Yes, yep. <laughs> um, but it, it, Golden Wind is is like a mafioso story mm. set in Italy. It's just as overdramatic as, as any JoJo's is. It gets right into the action. We will get to it someday. Mm-hmm. I I just, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, mm. I'm fully on board this train. Yep. So it... it um, that's mainly been where my anime focus has been lately, but I, I have more one, one additional anime to share. Mm-hmm. I have started watching an anime uh, that ties into our pizza preview, maybe, perhaps, mm-hmm. being Trigun Stampede. Oh, mm-hmm. how is it? And, you know, I went in with my doubts. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the 3D, 2D, mm-hmm. like you suggested in the new Dragon Ball Z, but I have to say I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. The the 3D emphasized these characters in a way I never thought they could. They've got all their unique charms, including Bash, like, manically scrambling to find a bullet mm-hmm. and such. I think it's a reboot of the original series, mm-hmm. if I'm not sure. Like, not everything's the same here. Um, it's a slightly altered timeline, but it was good. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And all I'll say is, you know, keep your ear to the ground. We may be uh, heading to some Trigun real soon. Of course. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I, as I said, like, you don't, you go into it 
being uncertain, but but as was the case with that Dragon Ball, like in some cases, the three D two D can yeah. really emphasize the action. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, I was probably thrown off because I saw a dubbed version of that movie, mm-hmm. and the only thing that was like weird to my eye was like obviously there's a ways to go before they can get the 3D models yeah. to match the dub dialogue, mm-hmm. which th- I'm not worried about, but they, you know, that was literally the only thing that was, like, off-putting in my viewing of it, yeah. but it, and it was... I, I watched the sub, but Johnny Youngbosch is coming back to Ooh. play Vash in the English dub. Very good. So, I'll check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, literally the only other news... Mm. That's okay. Uh, Light news week. ...that I had was uh, One Piece Odyssey. Mm-hmm. A, Dan's Mecca came out. I had to wait till next week for Fire Emblem. <laughs> it's just a, Where I could put wings on my <laughs> anime characters and marry them in my mind with toothpaste coon. <laughs> Chris I coon. might have to scoop it too. I don't yeah, know. Well, I'm choosing the female protagonist, so you got the guy. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what was I going to... Oh, yeah. One Piece, honestly. <laughs> One Piece, yes. Um, love it. Mm. And for once... Jonathan, you up in your balcony yeah. with your monocle and your top hat and your your yeah. opera gloves yeah. and your planchette can't can't. I can't said stop it looked me. fine. Uh, <laughs> you look down on me. I watched, re- I watched a review of it yesterday. I was like, oh, this looks fun. But it's getting good reviews. Yeah. It's getting yeah. uh, it's getting like not just in terms of a One Piece game, but generally this is a good for you know JRPG fans. Something to play on the PS Five. It is. That's a big yeah. big deal um, for me. But uh, graphically, it looks really great. It, it, it's just uh, like all of the all of the enemies are monsters that you could usually spot in the background of Strong World mm-hmm. when Shiki had his menagerie up in the flood like the flying island like most of the enemy monsters are from that like mm. recolors of monsters that appeared in the background there or throughout the rest of the series um plays a lot like dragon quest with like a fire emblem weakness triangle so it's not like it's not like type effectiveness but it's like you know uh power speed, speed and technique, technique. Yep. um so, you know, simple to pick up, but probably, like, more things to strategize and think on, ways to, like, upgrade the characters. Um, people are saying that even though it does, like, the the anime game, like, story arc recounting, it does so a little bit better than previous One Piece games have, so it adds a little extra oomph in there by creating, like, extra scenes with everyone. Um... But I just really like it. It's it's really flashy. It's it's colorful. Like the the battle system is very um again, it, it it's all Dragon Quest as like the baseline, but with like a lot of one piece energy put over it. So things are like color like even I even Splatoon energy. Because mm. it's like painterly effects, everything's like pulsating and, and there's lots of colors it. and you you know Everyone has, like, huge dramatic scenes for their special moves and everything, and I just love it so far. Mm. It's 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 a good, comfy romp, and, uh, yeah, I have not neglected Persona. I've mm. also been going with Persona 5. Okay. So, you know, it's a good a good time for me to play some JRPGs, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all the news I got. I also have no other news. Well, shall we go into our special tangent? We, yeah, uh, we should. Being that we're watching bad movies, in quotes, because yes. what's a bad movie? Are any movies truly bad? 
They make you suffer, they make you think, they make you feel pain, but mm-hmm. are they bad? I don't think so. You would have grown as a person more, right? Yes. From having seen it. But uh, inspired by that, we're uh, taking uh, British Magazine, Sight and Sounds, a leaf out of their book in order to make our top ten list. Yes. uh, Of movies of all time. And of course, this is subjective. It changed. It changed in three times in writing this list for me. Okay. So, as I said last night, Mm -hmm. I had a migraine that prevented me from... Playing more One Piece. You're truly thinking. But I revised this list like yeah. four times myself. This was, I, I, I tried to put a lot of thought into this yeah. as to what like a legit sight and sound list would be. Mm-hmm. And I must state for emphasis that in the 11th place, like that I'm not going to, yeah. to state. I have a lot of uh, uh, near misses too. Like 10 movies tied. Yeah. Like it was difficult yeah, it, to it, get this, this list uh, Mine's sorted. the same way, so. Um, but, uh, but yeah. We, but I, I think I'm I think I'm satisfied with the final lineup here. All right. If you so, would like to start? Yeah, we go from ten to one mm-hmm. and alternate between. So number ten, we know this. A lot of these actually, Dan, we've seen either on this podcast or together in some respect because mm-hmm. I I'm that type of person that'll shove a movie down someone's throat and to be like, look how much I love this. Mm-hmm. Do you love it? Not as much as me, <laughs> but no. that, that's the kind of movie viewer pretentious some might call me. But number ten, The Green Knight, David Lowry. 2022. Also on my list. I figured as much, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was right up my alley. Um, It's a Christmas watch for me every year now. Mm. Um, I enjoy it. I think it's a very underrated A24 film because people say it's too long. There's no plot. Nothing happens. But I say read the original myth because basically everything is there and more. There's a lot of commentary on that in between, between, uh, you know, coming to face your destiny, accepting your fate, uh, uh, relationship status, not being a a himbo or a tool. Yeah. Yeah. No, a a lot of it. it, Like, just... I'll I'll get to it when I get to it on my list. Of course. Excellent choice. Yes. Excellent choice. And you... My, uh, I tried to phrase this like I saw it on the actual sight and sound lists. Um, so my number 10 is none other than Goldfinger, 1964, Goldfinger. directed by Guy Hamilton. It is, in my opinion, the greatest James Bond film. Um, I think inevitably we will probably watch it someday on the podcast if I get, like, a free movie viewing. Um... When I watch this movie, it is like everything I would want a spy movie to be. Uh, Goldfinger himself is purely an imposing villain because he's devious, he's smart, he's, you know, on the surface, he's like, you know, just like an older German guy, but he's dangerous, and no, at no point throughout the movie do you underestimate that he is going to, you know... He's got something, he's got like a scheme, he's got a backup plan, he's gonna do this, he's... It's just like an excellent, the, the movie is just like an excellent chess game between him and James Bond, uh, played, of course, by Sean Connery in that one. Uh, obviously, by today's standards, there's there's some, like, like, yikes moments in there, like, James Bond doing, come on, ma- men need to talk, shoo, mm-hmm. woman. Yeah. But, is that the one with Bambi and Thumper? Or no, that's Rollerball or something like that. No, I don't think yeah, it's yeah. Thunderball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, Rollerball, wrong, wrong movie. Down Roll- further down the list. <laughs> Ro- yeah, Rollerball is the uh, the sci-fi future mm. sport, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Um, but you know, Goldfinger is is on this list because I've seen it like a hundred times and I still enjoy it. Um, I think you would like it because Goldfinger is is 
The two of them in that movie are like me and you if we had mm-hmm. to like stage a, a, a spy villain plot yeah. and it's but even so he stands out from that era mm-hmm. of villains because he is literally just like a mastermind. Yeah. He's like a blunt like Goldfinger has the famous scene where it's like like no I'm I just expect you to die mm-hmm. like I'm going to kill you because yeah. you know. No, I it, enjoyed it, that. Yet. It's a Classic. you know excellent movie, so mm. I had to put that number ten. And I would think down the line on this podcast, it, along with Sinister Six, we could have like once in a while where we bring a movie we love. Yeah, You'd be like, oh, watch this. What did you think? A sanctified six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> if you, yeah. Using you can holy... draw the Saint say art. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. And then and then we'll embo- embody like holy oh, magic yeah, instead of jerk magic. <laughs> so <laughs> magic of light. Uh, my number nine, you know I'm a musical theater major, and I have to put down my favorite musical. Um, not the best adaptation, according to some, but my favorites. We've got Gypsy, uh, directed by Mervyn Leroy from 1962, starring Rosalind Russell, Natalie Wood, and Carl Malden. Now, I know you won't know about this, but Gypsy, you know, one of the first musicals that I've ever seen in my life. Really enamored with it. Uh, Stephen Sondheim, Jewel Stein, very great creative team. A lot of people don't like this because Rosalind Russell... Even though she's a fabulous actress, uh, in my opinion. I don't know if you know who Rosalind Russell is, but uh, we'll, Vaguely. Get, we'll get to her further down the list. She's a very Jonathan movie star type quality, playing this over, uh, like, over-domineering stage mom over the life of Gypsy Rosalie, mm-hmm. famous burlesque uh, dancer in her life story. Vaguely set to Stephen Sondheim and Jules Stein's music. Um, I just love it so much. I think it's a classic, and there is like a passion for the golden age of movie musicals that you don't see anymore. Mm-hmm. That even though it kind of flopped, I was like, oh, all right, they like they did their thing. They put a unique little spin on it, so it's slightly different from the uh, musical book. And changed it to fit the film restraints. So I was like, I have to stick a musical on. It was between this and Funny Girl. Mm-hmm. And while Funny Girl did get, like, the critical acclaim, this musical was closer to my heart. Of course. Yeah. No, good yeah. as reason as any to yeah. put it on the list. Yeah. And that's my number nine. Uh, my number nine, as we viewed on this podcast, is 1995's Ghost in the Shell, Ooh. as directed by Mamoru Oshii. Um, thinking on it, if I had to, like, bring something to a, like a, like a... A film class or something like mm-hmm. that. Ghost in the Shell is just a gorgeous, just unbelievably well done movie. Yes. Uh, in terms of like cyberpunk stuff and how like that grimy type of cyberpunk is, mm-hmm. like the the, the background yeah. and the set designs. I think it's just required viewing for um, you know, for for anime fans and for I I would say for movie fans in general because as as we noted when we talked about it, it has a lot of themes related to Japanese culture at that time. So yes. if you want to talk about a movie that, like, does, like, sort of a vibe check for the people who made it, you know, Ghost in the Shell dealt with, like, technology overcoming the human soul and and how Japan was feeling about becoming, like, a tech giant at the time mm-hmm. or how the author interpreted that. Um, so it's an important movie for that stuff, but... I'm not going to claim to like it for smart people reasons. I just think that it is... <laughs> no, it is it, a, it's, a, it's a smart movie. Yeah, it's a um, gorgeous movie. Yeah, so. and it, it's a shame that a lot of people from this side, you know, who aren't invested in anime, will just know the Scarlett Johansson version of that. And won't check yeah, out the original. Sadly. Yeah, but... Yeah. 
yeah. yeah I yeah. I could only hope classic that, in animation. If anything, I would have I would have always hoped that the inverse would have happened, where mm-hmm. if they went to saw, see the shitty Scarlett Johansson, it would have inspired people to go back and watch the original. Because I feel like a lot yeah. of people in our age group would have recognized standalone complex, so maybe that would have prompted them to go back and check out the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I consider it a must-watch. Uh, and we did. Yeah. So yeah. Yes, yes. Um, my next is a movie we also saw on the podcast. My number eight is going to be In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai, mm-hmm. 2000. We watched it. Uh, you can check out our episode there. I think it is an extremely romantic and sexy movie. It's beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. It... It just makes you think. It makes you feel. It's cerebral. It's dreamy. You're just going through the motions with these two lovers that never really find their passion together in life. Mm-hmm. It's human. That's what we love in this. Oh, that's what I love in movies. No, it makes me feel things. Yeah. It, it, it did, and it visually it stood out. Mm-hmm. I still, I still like blatant, like just remember set pieces from that film yeah. from time to time mm-hmm. because everything just just looks so unique it just makes you want to go out and buy wallpaper Dan. it does yeah <laughs> paper these walls it does but mm. I, I gotta buy more bacon for bandit i can't afford wallpaper so. yeah. <laughs> i forget what uh oscar wilde's last words were as he was dying he looked at his wallpaper and said before i go you have to change that <laughs> like i was like <laughs> that is literally my celebrity 28 i don't know the conversation just came up anyways you're, you're number eight Dan. uh my number eight uh and this was a um Within these bottom three here, mm. I feel like it is it is is a must that someday we do a separate top ten list for horror. Yeah, yeah, Cause, definitely, because I have so many near misses that are all horror. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we both love that genre. Yeah. I didn't used to, but it, I did a full 180 crazy on it. it. It was like, I'm like, I think Jonathan will agree, there's a lot that deserves yeah. to go on here, but I, I, don't, I don't know how to rank them. Um, Accordingly to... Uh, Film snob standards. But, in terms of, like, a must-see movie, I'm going with 1982's The Thing, directed yeah. by John Carpenter. Yeah, classic. Excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a there's a research team out in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. They are, you know, uh, they take in a stray dog, what they think is a stray dog, mm-hmm. and it's not a stray dog. No, it's not. And this game of, like, paranoia and just body horror, some excellent... Practical puppetry, effects, yeah. practical effects, comes into play. Um, must watch movie, mm-hmm. I would say. Very, a very unique kind of horror movie, um, and just uh, you know, it it, it kind of stands alone in what it does in in terms of doing like that isolation feeling, at the time at least. Mm-hmm. It, um, other things kind of played on that later on, but I don't know. The thing has always just stood out to me as like. Uh, I could definitely bring this to, like, a film class and, and say, because it's... I When the Red Letter Media guys, for instance, <laughs> talked about it, there was, like, you can feel, like, the 80s grittiness mm-hmm. when it's just, like, the dudes hanging out together. Yeah. And, you know, it all feels real, it all feels lived in, and then when shit hits the fan and that monster shows up, it's like... All right, this is this is like a regular group of of people, you know, responding to a cosmic horror that is mm-hmm. going on here. So, I just uh, I, I heartily recommend it to everyone. Yep. Uh, my number seven, a little basic bitch taking a page out of Martin Scorsese's book. Mm-hmm. Gonna have to put the red shoes over here. Okay. By uh, Powell and Pressburger, nineteen forty-eight, and. 
I mean, that's a basic bitch pick, but it's it's gorgeous. And that ballet sequence, if you haven't seen it, even if you're not a fan of dance or theater, that ballet sequence that takes up like 20 minutes of time is haunting. Mm-hmm. That's what you watch the film for. And like the gorgeous technicolor. Now, if I want it to be a little bit more, you know, cerebral, I do love A Matter of Life and Death which is a slightly earlier film by them. It does some crazy things with, like, uh, perspective. There's, like, a giant staircase to heaven at one point. We're in heaven at one point. Their films are just gorgeous, and they always tell a story. And it's it's romantic. It's beautiful. It's dramatic. Mm -hmm. It it inspired so many filmmakers. Like, if Scorsese and the likes... On every, like, one of these lists, it's like the Red Shoes is somewhere on there. Yes. Um, Just because how popping and striking as it is. It it gets you into, like, oh, I should make a movie. Mm -hmm. If I can make a movie, I'd make it like this. So check out the Red Shoes if you haven't already. Of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, My number seven, you already said it, The Green Knight. Uh, David Lowry. Um, This is on there just because I, I just loved it. Yeah. This was one of the things where it was previewed. You and I discussed it. We were hyped for it for a long time. Um, And it was just one of those movies where the hype never subsided for me. I went to go see it with you, and my expectations were exceeded. Yeah. And I can't... Even on that screen that I had to squint on. Yeah. But but it was... um, no, I, I, I'm, it's on that list because of that. It's like, this is, if I had to think of, of like a perfect movie, in my opinion, that I've seen recently, it's this one. Mm-hmm. I've, I've only done a handful of like reviewings of it, mm-hmm. um, which is why it's not higher up, but I, I had to put it on here. Yeah. Cause I still, you know, when I think of awesome movie scenes, I just play out shit from this movie constantly. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number six, going across the pond to Federico Fellini, fellow Italian. Mm-hmm. It's Knights in Cabria, uh, 1957. It's just an emotional story. Also kind of inspired a musical by the name of Sweet Charity. It's about a prostitute just stumbling through Cabria. Mm-hmm. And she's not like the... I mean, it does get to that point where she's kind of like, oh, everyone leaves me and I'm alone. But even in that, she finds joy in it. It was one of the first foreign films to win uh, the Oscar. Mm-hmm best picture um i just it's truly emotional it's an indescribable experience to see this lady oh my god i can't remember her name the actress that she was like married to fellini for a time his muse and all his things i'll look it up and i'll get back to you as dan is talking but uh just truly emotional and you feel for her at the end of that film she's like about to kill herself Mm -hmm. and then like people are walking by just playing and loving life and she turns around immediately and just the change in her eyes like, goes from, like, tears of sorrow to mm-hmm. depression to absolute tears of joy. Like, there's nothing like that. Goosebumps. Just talking about it, Dan. Okay. Yeah. 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 I would also I'd... say, like, La Strada, maybe. That would be my second choice for Fellini on this list. Mm-hmm. But that's just super depressing. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah. But the way that you're describing that, obviously, it had, like, an impact on mm-hmm. you. And I, that's what movies are all about. Yeah. They're all about those experiences. Mm-hmm. I would hope. Not today, but I would hope. So, yeah. um... My number six, probably foreseeable, Back to the Future, uh, oh, 1985, Robert classic. Zemeckis. Yeah. Um, I feel like we haven't had a chance to talk about this movie, because it's avoided um, any kind of reboots or... Well, it's got sullying, the musical coming. Which is fine. Yeah. It's, that's, I, I don't know if that has the potential to sully anything. No. Um, but, but obviously when Grant's... This is, I think, Grant's 
number one. Mm. I, from what he's always described, it's high up for and him. And yet we've never watched it together. No. Usually we would do that with films we... We did it with pirates, so... <laughs> well, I figured, and I figured we, we would somewhere down the line. But mm. Back to the Future is just a... I, it is just like a like a perfect movie. Mm. It, it is... I, I love Michael J. Fox. Another one of his movies, The Frighteners, narrowly avoided getting into my top ten as my horror pick. Mm. Um, but people don't... People don't like The Frighteners that much. I, it, was, it was a Peter Jackson film um, with him, but... It, I someday I'll bring that to the podcast and we can take that down. But, um, you know, Back to the Future is just I don't know. It's 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 what you you sit down to watch a movie. It's it's what you hope to experience. What I hope to experience. Yeah. It's got the comedy. It's got adventure. It's got stakes. It's got like you know techno babble mm-hmm. that that does make Time sense. Travel, like and it, yeah. it, it it save the clock tower, Dad. Consistency <laughs> and. I just love. I even love the sequels. I I I think that they they all manage to echo each other, and improve on the formula each time. I don't know where everyone else stands on on parts two and three, um, but there's never a downturn for me with those movies. It's you know, the reason I probably haven't brought them up so much is because I went through a stretch probably when we were in in high school mm. where I you know I got. The trilogy on DVD, and I rewatched them constantly every day. And because of that, I'm thinking like I probably burned myself out on them for. Well, a that time. was me with musicals for a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it happens, and sometimes that can affect these standings. But I'm like, ultimately, yeah. I can't not put you it on return this to list your roots, because yeah. it's a movie I love. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, number five. And sorry, I looked up her name. It is. Oh my gosh, I just did it. Where'd it go? It's Julieta Massina, okay, um, who is playing uh, the title character of Cabria. But yes, uh, right. Let me get back to my list. Sorry for the inconvenience, audience. All right, my number five. A shame that this director only directed one film. Mm-hmm. It's The Night of the Hunter, Charles Lawton, mm-hmm. 1955. Another staple on this list, or it should be a staple taught in every film class. Just the stunts that Mister Lawton pulled. In this, with angles, with shadow play, with perspective. Mm-hmm. It's just craft. And I love a book adaptation. I read the book exactly the same as the film. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love when it it brings the words on the page to life in a new way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this is a classic. I, I mean, I gave it to you. I lent it out to you to watch mm-hmm. a long while ago. Um, it's just a favorite of mine. It's haunting. It's about these kids that are fleeing away from an abusive stepdad, trying to hide some money mm-hmm. in the American Midwest South. It's close enough to that. And it's a little dumb. It's dated, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it hasn't aged the best for modern audience viewers. But I think there's just there's something haunting about that. When he's riding that horse in the background as the kids are in the barn, and he's just singing, like, uh, Everlasting Arms or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's haunting. And... To think that it flopped during its time, and then film critics were like, wait a second, this movie is fucking good. Well, this movie's on a lot of lists. Yeah. I, I saw it come up repeatedly. Yeah. If it's not on, it's it's certainly on multiple ones, and I think in the grand averaging whatever top 100 on mm-hmm. their site, it's somewhere yeah. fairly high, yeah. I think. so. Yeah. Check it out. Um, my number five... A little sci-fi ditty called Forbidden Planet uh, from 1956, yeah. directed by Fred M. Wilcox. Mm-hmm. 
This movie is notable because it has a very young Leslie Nielsen, one mm-hmm. of my favorite actors of all time. Inspired by The Tempest, Dad. Of course, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it has him in a younger, serious role because he was a serious, dramatic actor before he, you know, Did the airplane in his later yeah. years. Guns. <laughs> um, but Forbidden Planet is a, just a fantastic science fiction movie. It is one of those films, kind of in the vein of Citizen Kane, I think, where you sit down to watch it, and it feels like it was made later than it was because the effects hold up just so well. Um, obviously, as Jonathan said, it's influenced by The Tempest, um, you know, but the main thing is that uh, these astronauts land on this planet, um, and there is a, a strange man with his, um, his, his cute daughter and Robbie the Robot, who also live alongside him. This was his introduction i believe mm-hmm. um and he at some point discovered uh, the ruins of an ancient alien civilization that has enabled him to develop new technologies and live in this ideal paradise and when they're going down into the ruins of of this civilization it's it's represented via matte paintings and forced perspective but they they hold up they look beautiful um it was also one of the first times where uh you know, they had kind of used, uh, you know, animated effects over the actual film itself because one major factor in the in the movie is that there is this invisible monster, this alien creature, this gigantic thing that is constantly stalking the perimeter of where their ship lands. They managed to set up some electric fences as like a precaution to keep it out, but it's represented by like a giant invisible footprint going into the soil, and then when it collides with the electric fence, you see the outline of this creature for like a split second before it reels back, and that's a recurring thing. Mm. And it kind of gets into like, what is this dude doing here? What does he want to do? Like, is he more or less sketchy than he seems? Mm. And like, what what is going to happen? Mm. And it's just excellent movie. Yeah. I cannot recommend that one enough. Mm. My number four is a personal pick of mine. I don't think many people will understand why it's on this list, but for me, it is number four. It is near the top three. It's Moonstruck by Norman Jewison, 1987. Understandable. It's a movie I return to constantly every year. There's something about this that feels like home. Uh, I love that it's inspired by play. There's just something about it. It clicks for me. It's a New York movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's an opera movie. It's a movie about Italians. It has snap out of it. It's quotable. It's cheesy. It's corny. It's over-the-top dramatic. Mm Mm-hmm. It's stupid, but I love it just even more than the average person. Of course. I think it is a great fun movie that is like an hour and a half long, and you just watch it to feel good about yourself and your life. Of course. And enjoy life. Yeah. My number four is actually on my list for the exact same reason. Mm. It is 2009 Summer Wars. Oh, there we go. Uh, directed by Mamoru Hosoda, mm-hmm. as we covered on this podcast. I hope he's eating well. Uh, yeah, well, I do too. Um... But this is probably my favorite anime movie of all time. Mm. One of my favorite movies. This is one uh, similar to you that I just have to show people when I become friends with them. Mm-hmm. I instant recommendation, instant lending to them. It, it it is just it is just everything I love about about movies and stories. It is just an uplifting, just exciting thing I, I i don't even know I, i'm not sure how to put words to it but mm. it is it was one of those things where i saw the trailer way back in the day because this had to have been 
um, high school. Right, yeah, yeah, right as we were coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I probably picked it up and finally watched it freshman year of college. And I, I don't know. I felt like I, I related to the main dude in some ways and just in terms of, like, feeling, like, isolated sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this this whole movie was just like, no, you do have, like, connections to people. You do have, like, everyone kind of has a network and it's... You know, it, it it's just kind of, and as I've gotten older and I've like related to other messages, and it it's it's only just improved the quality of the movie. Yeah. So, I got I had to put it on here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely had to. Number three, another movie that I show love that the world might not. Another movie that we've seen together. It is Suspiria, twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh I just love it. As you know from the eighteen thousand posters that I possess, this film this film is it. It, mm-hmm. it has horror, it has blood, it has Tilda Swinton kicking over a chair and eating chicken wings. What more could you want in a film? And I think that it surpasses the original in every way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives us that huge three-hour, six-act backstory mm-hmm. that we didn't think we needed. And it, it's it too, critical flop. But that doesn't make a movie for me. Maybe no. A movie is how you feel. Of a course. A movie is what you do. I thoroughly enjoyed it when we yeah. watched. That's probably been one of my favorite things we've watched on this podcast in terms of an experience. It's just so quotable. And then I could truly test new people in my life. I'm like, Heather was over here. I said, want to watch the spirit? It's 10 o'clock in the morning. And when we finished at two o'clock in the afternoon and she was sorely drained, I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I felt the same about it. I remember thinking back to that summer day when you were over here. Yeah. During the week watching it. And I was like, what an occasion is this? Only Suspiria would do this on our podcast. Quality movie, and mm-hmm. I assumed I, no. I was you. You had uh, obviously you have a lot of artwork of it adorning your walls, yeah. and to, I, I feel like this is this is a good movie for you to show people to yeah. see what you the kind of stuff that you yeah. like. I love I, I dance. Think it's, I love yeah. drama. I love witches. Yeah. yeah. My my number three is actually parallels yours again in terms of that stuff. Interesting. It is, for better or worse, 1993's Jurassic Park. I knew it was going to be on your list. Yeah. I knew it It was coming down the line. Jurassic Park yeah. has, 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 uh, has always been a, an absolute favorite of mine, and if not my most favorite, but I kind of rearranged how I did this list in terms of what I, you know, in terms of, you know, the impact they made on me as a person, but... When I looked into this, and I'm like, you know, in terms of like, okay, does Jurassic Park show up on any, uh, like, fancy movie <laughs> list? list? And not really. Because mm-hmm. the critical discussion is that even though Spielberg is Spielberg, he doesn't, like, progress that well. Like, he he makes amazing movies that are amazing movies for their time, and then he doesn't, like, evolve. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess that's why people don't consider, like, they, they consider it, like, popcorn stuff, but mm-hmm. they don't, you know... Uh, they don't feel that he has evolved artistically, I mm. guess. But this movie by itself, I think, is perfect. <laughs> I think it is just a... From start to finish, there is not a part that you can lose. There you know, is nothing to be added. It is just an excellent movie uh, based on an excellent book, in my opinion, Um you know, the book is, is much heavier on, like, the technology aspect of the whole thing, because that's the kind of stuff that, uh, uh, oh, oh, I'm forgetting his name, Michael Crichton mm-hmm. likes. Yep. Um, so you should read it for that, because mm-hmm. it's 
some things play out differently, yeah. but it's like a, a lot more blood. Yeah, um, but no, I, I just I just think that I don't know. It's atmospherically, mm-hmm. story wise, scene to scene. I just love it so much. This was probably one of those things that 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 small Dan in my propeller beanie cap <laughs> on my tricycle saw, yeah. and I'm like, oh my god, I like movies, and that's you know, yeah. Uh, young me, like this is cinema, mm-hmm. so I, I had to put Jurassic Park on here. All right, yeah. my my number two is the most controversial uh, spot that I had in my own mind. It was difficult to decide what movie to put at number two, so there were a lot of interchangeable factors here. Um, so I decided on something that I rewatched very recently, and I was like, yeah, this movie gets me, mm-hmm. um, and it's Anti Mame from Morton, Morton DaCosta, nineteen fifty eight, also starring Rosalind Russell. Okay. Also based on, like, a theater piece of anti-Mame. Um, it tells the story of Mame Dennis, who lives in New York. She's this uh, festive socialite, just living day by day. Uh, everything's a joy, everything's a pleasure. She gets custody of her nephew Patrick, mm-hmm. and she just tells him, you're going to experience life. I'm going to give you everything that money can buy. They go through the depression. It's a comedy. There's mm-hmm. zany antics. They're at, like, a southern plantation at one point, trying to impress, like, the, the Savannah socialites. Mm-hmm. They're climbing mountains. There's death. There's loss. But at everything, Auntie Mame's a hero for me because she just sees the positive outlook in everything. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens to her, she always smiles. She knows how to get back to, you know, Patrick and, like, uh, reconnect with him and find joy within, like, the simplest things of life despite the extravagance around her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's just something to check out. It, it makes me emotional just to see this joy, mm-hmm. like, with comedy. It, it's zany, it's stupid, it's fun, but it's joyous. And it's like, live, damn it, live. Of course. That's all, you know. We want in life. Yeah. Is to live joyously and connect. Of course. Yeah. Um I I it must be noted mm-hmm. that one controversial movie of mine that got bumped off this list. Yeah, I had I had a few. That I feel like I gotta mention honorable men this is not my number two. Mm-hmm. I, I is it would be somewhere like eleven or twelve Animal House. Animal House. In terms of my go-to comedy. Animal House. Yeah. Unironically, like wow. if we're talking about comedies that you can just watch to put yourself in a good mood. Okay, Dad. Animal House is is that. Hmm. But again, if I'm presenting to film snobs, my number two, and this will be the part where your where Jonathan's unseen face turns mm-hmm. into the vomit emoji. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Star Wars. I knew it was coming. Yeah, The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's fine. Of 1980, directed by Irvin Kershner. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a child, I only have a vague recollection of the first time that I watched any Star Wars movies. I borrowed the special edition VHS tapes from my uncle, and you know, did a, a viewing through them. I think that I was okay with A New Hope, the first Star Wars, but Empire sealed it for mm-hmm. me. Empire was a movie that I watched, and I'm like. I love this, and if I was ever going to make anything of my own, like, I would want it to feel the way that Empire Strikes Back feels the first time that I watched it. Um, As I've said or touched upon in this podcast, in terms of Star Wars, my favorite movies are are the middle three. Attack of the Clones, Empire, and then Last Jedi. Um, But of those three... uh, all the problems that they may have, mm-hmm. I think Empire is the one that I consistently and could have no problem with, you know, trying to explain it from a scholarly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, for a multitude of reasons, but what what always gets it over the finish line is is the stuff with Yoda. 
so Luke crashes down on Dagobah. He, you know, at the time, it was a subversion of tropes because you expect the, the hidden Jedi Master to be some, you know, obviously imposing samurai-esque, mm-hmm. you know, uh, character. And not a Jim Henson puppet. And not a little, not a little yeah. puppet. And mm-hmm. he's, like, dicking with Luke. He's trying to, like, annoy him into being confrontational. And he's, like, you know, like, mm, he doesn't... He doesn't show respect to everyone. He's impatient. He's angry. He's impetuous. Like he, I can't train him, and it, and even though it's a puppet, it like it shifts on a dime that you're like, oh, he is the Jedi Master here, and it, it, everything he says from that point out is like you know the Force is what unites us, binds us. That is quintessential Star Wars for me. That is peak Star Wars for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Empire had to be on here. Mm-hmm. My number one. We've arrived here at last. I've said it before on many a podcast. I'll say it again. My number one film on this sight and sound list is Harold and Maude by Hal Ashby, 1971. Harold and Maude is my favorite movie of all time. There's something about it. It's more of that. I guess I'm more positive in my movies than I would think. A lot of people say I love the depressing stuff, which I do. Mm -hmm. But uh, looking at my tops here, uh, you know, from Suspiria onwards, very happy ending in Suspiria as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a little, you know, they're dancing in the Mm -hmm. basement. But Harold and Maude is a story about, it's Bud Court, playing Harold and he is depressed he's modeling he's what the kids would say emo back mm-hmm. in the day and he meets Ruth Gordon playing Maud who just loves visiting funerals planting trees playing different instruments every way every day and he falls in love with her mm-hmm. controversial it's a very young person with a very old person but it's not that kind of love until it is in the end mm-hmm. and there's just something about that special connection about finding that mentor in your life that older person to guide you and teach you about life like life has its ups life has its downs a lot of people consider themselves one thing but in reality they're far more special than they think they are um and it's just opening your eyes to see the life around you and Mm -hmm. to live the life the way you want it yes um uh, another flop here in the states but a cult classic nonetheless and big in europe Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say Harold and Maude is it. I put it on whenever I feel down and whenever I need like a moment to center my life, I turn to this film. It was the first mo- film I purchased on Criterion mm-hmm. and for good reason. Of course. Yeah. That's what I have to say. And that's my sight and sound. My number one, you know what it is? Just like 15 years ago when mm-hmm. I brought it to our film class, mm-hmm. it is Godzilla 1954 yeah. directed by Ishiro Honda. Mm-hmm. When I say that uh, if, uh, the top three really are the ones that, that had the most impact yeah. on me. Um, Jurassic Park was, uh, you know, the the general love of movies. Empire was the love of, like, telling a story. And Godzilla was purely the love of monsters. <laughs> and young me, the first time I saw this, it was, again, it was probably on a VHS that my, that my dad had either purchased or, or some, I was, I was probably too young to understand what was going on in the movie, but I remember crying (laughs) at the end of it, because Godzilla does die, of Mm -hmm. course, at the end of the first one, and you don't, you you do not expect to feel that, you Mm -hmm. do not expect to feel for the monster, but in the, the, this is the exact same way that Peter Jackson like described seeing King Kong. Kong yeah. Was that by somehow by the end of this, this monster portrayed via a suit and then some, you know, uh, stop motion puppeteering you is is a thing of nature, a thing of beauty that ends up getting destroyed by by man. Um but in terms of Godzilla, he is 
He's more so kind of man's folly going against him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it is a heavily symbolic movie. It, it kind of, uh, as a standalone story, that movie, you know, obviously was dealing with a lot of trauma in terms of how Japan dealt with, you know, the aftermath of the atomic bomb and everything like that. Um, which is, you know, which is why I could probably bring it here mm -hmm. uh, to this list. Yeah. But... There were a lot of options as to what Godzilla movie was going to be on here. If I had to pick any of the sequels, I would I would bring Godzilla vs. Biolanti. We will watch it mm -hmm. sometime in the near future, mm -hmm. because it has some of the best fucking puppet work that I have ever seen, uh, in terms of how Biolanti is, is kind of brought to life in that movie. Uh, as I've explained, Godzilla vs. Gigan, despite being a low-budget nightmare, uh, <laughs> is special to me because I, I could never find it on VHS, <laughs> so I had to only ever watch it when the Sci-Fi Channel chose to air it at like 6 in the morning. Mm. Um, but obviously I love Godzilla. Godzilla has never steered me wrong, uh, unlike Star Wars on occasion, <laughs> so... <laughs> This film had to be number one, and I, I, I very much doubt that anything is probably ever going to dethrone it as number one, so All right. well, gotta start from there. We've set our pieces. Yes. For future posterity's sake, I'm sure these lists will change in mm -hmm. some respects as we grow older, wiser, uh, but good sharing, Ben. Of course. And what lists? We learned a little bit more about each other. Oh, I was, I was, I ended up, you know, I tried to put a lot of thought into it, mm -hmm. and I figured we would get a good discussion out of it. And we did. Because I'm sure, yeah, we still have plenty of movies left to bring yeah. to this podcast. Yeah, and who knows if some of these might appear at one day, where we loosely connect it to anime. <laughs> and, and we gotta, I just, in terms of, there's so many honorable uh, yeah, mentions. Yeah, I think we could have a list of honorable mentions. I think I have like ten that almost made the list here. Like, yeah. I, Vampire Hunter D. Yeah. If, yeah. Even for a horror list, mm -hmm. I was going to be like, uh, I, I feel like that movie, I think about it constantly. Yeah. Should I put it on here? Nah, doesn't quite beat 10, mm -hmm. but, you know, Promare, yeah. another big one that I would show people. Like, Closest to animation I had, another weird pick, is the original Fantasia. Yeah. Just because I love orchestral music, yeah. and I love what Fantasia does as a concept. But, uh, yeah, I should have more anime on there. <laughs> or animated. I, I was I was unironically close to, it probably would have ended up as, like, 15 or like 14 or 15 i was trying to think of what disney one i would put on there mm -hmm. i was gonna be a contrarian and just put black cauldron on there mm -hmm. because when you handed me that blue I'm like oh shit yeah black cauldron got a really like i love the the, the villain in that movie awesome design mm -hmm. the horned king but i i don't i feel like hercules is the top one mm -hmm. for me yeah or maybe aladdin mm -hmm. but i i couldn't think of anything that that really like had that oomph for me, so mm -hmm. I didn't, I excluded those. Yeah, but yeah, mm. but there's so many. Yeah, so, so many. many movies. Yeah, so little time. Well, now that we've talked about good movies, Dan, let's uh, get our palate ready for something sour. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so again, um, no huge recent blockbusters in this film. No Black Adam. Uh, no Black Adam. Mm, okay. One wanted to be, but yeah. one di it did not. Okay. It did not. Mm -hmm. Um. But again, all fascinatingly terrible. Mm. That is the through line of this pod, which is why I did not want to cut anything. Okay. So when we started doing Sinister Six, I have kept, like, a running list of, like, what inevitably am I going to put in this pod? Mm -hmm. Obviously, with, with, you know, the world on the move <laughs> and Wonder Woman 84 and yeah. Black Adam and all these other movies coming out mm -hmm. in that span of time that we started doing this, 
the list has had has shifted around. Mm-hmm. My priorities have shifted around. Um, but I have a running list of crappy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I go to take them, I'm like, okay, this is LARF worthy. Yeah. Like Alien from LA was put in the yeah. pot because I figured, okay, this is ironically loved it. Yeah, this is LARF worthy. Mm-hmm. But sometimes with those with those films, the information about them can be a little bit scant, and you're just left with the assumption, okay, these are bad movies because they're bad movies. We can tell why. But upon further inspection, mm-hmm. all three of these are are all very bad for very different reasons. Okay. They have like. The end result is an <laughs> onion, but it has layers to it. More so, to dissect, yes. Most assuredly. Um, so, I, I can't say if there's anything good or bad for you to pick. Hmm. There's maybe one that's more boring than its comrades, but they're all also mm. kind of boring. So, okay. it, it's... Uh, and we'll, we'll find it some up. love in there. Let me reach and my paw within. What, see what happens. And... Stir them around. Such Again, I I use code names to add extra shock value. I, I want this one. Such neatly folded code name with the power to melt. Okay. Okay. <laughs> to melt. Is it the Incredible Melting Man? It is. Oh, movie I know, but I haven't seen. <laughs> um. So we are going to be watching today. The 1977 American mm. science fiction horror film directed by William Sachs. It is mm. the incredible melting man. Oh, how he melts. On a very crappy MGM limited edition DVD Perfect. copy I that, I, that I found from the bargain basement. Mm. Um, the plot concerns an astronaut uh, whose body begins to <laughs> melt after he is exposed to radiation As during it would. Yeah. a space flight to Saturn. Uh, driving him to commit murders and consume human flesh to survive. Yeah. Now, uh, how'd they get my likeness for this box art, Dan? We, well, we gotta get into that. We gotta get into that. This movie um, is when they went in with the best of intentions. Uh, the director William Sachs, he was heavily influenced uh, by Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. He was going to make. A uh, you know a sci-fi horror movie that maybe critiqued humanity a little bit, uh, made us you know think about monsters and and how we drive people to be monsters, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, so the final film, the plot was um, you know kind of similar to a previous film from 1959 called The First Man into Space, uh, which was in turn in turn influenced by a slightly earlier film called The Quarter Mass Experiment. But, despite of those mounting similarities, uh, Sachs never actually saw either of them. Mm. So any resemblance to those films is coincidental. coincidental. So, when he went into this movie, he intended to make a, uh, you know, a send-up of Atomic Age monster films uh, with a message. Mm. So it was going to be a humorous, tongue-in-cheek, if not sarcastic you know, romp through those story tropes, mm. but very obviously played for laughs while delivering, like, an insightful message. I would assume, you know, kind of similar to what the first Frankenstein did, it would be like this This monster would have these goofy adventures, uh, some sci-fi stuff would play out, and then, you know, we would see that humanity was the real monster all along, yeah. etc. Uh, but... Uh, as was the case with another Sinister Six favorite, Spoopies, mm-hmm. 
Post-production did not go so well. I see. Uh, the studio decided that uh, no one's going to go see a parody picture. <laughs> so we got to make this a straight horror film. Um, and it, it was... Uh, the only way to describe it is if you took something that was like a parody of the genre and then excised all of the jokes. Mm. But in the process of excising all you of the jokes... You made it camp. <laughs> no. Oh, you made it cringe. No. Oh. Uh, in the process of excising the jokes, you removed parts of the plot oh. uh, that yeah. were that were that were necessary. Mm. Um, so that being said, the movie still does contain a number of loving homages to mm. to previous science fiction films. Even the title is like a reference to the Incredible Shrinking Man, yeah. and there's again there's tons of like vibes to those other previous movies, even though the director had never seen them. Um, but. It, it was the end result was not great. Um, it, it was just kind of uh, it was really really killed by the post production process. Mm. The, the 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 thing of forcing it to become a serious horror movie, along with a lot of reshoots with actors who were nowhere near as good. Mm. Um, the end result is just laughable. And at worst, it's it's very dry. Like, you would be forgiven for thinking that this was, like, a British dark comedy mm -hmm. for how it plays out sometimes. But, again, all of the humor has been sapped out of it. So it's just, like, people who look sad sitting around in rooms reacting to an existential horror that doesn't really go anywhere because it's... The, the meat of it has been taken away. Mm -hmm. Um... It was commercially successful, but it received largely negative reviews. The one bright side is uh, that makeup artist Rick Baker, uh, who went on to be a Hollywood legend in his own right for his makeup effects um, and general practical effects, you know, worked on this movie. Mm. And for the brief times that we see the Incredible Melting Man himself, those are practical effects that Rick Baker poured his heart and soul into to pull off. Mm -hmm. They look convincing. They look amazing, even by today's standards, because you get the vibe that no one would even try that with practical effects these days. Mm -hmm. um, and he, uh, sort of like a DBZ villain, the, the Incredible Melting Man was supposed to have, like, four different phases, or even like Hedorah. Mm -hmm. well, our, old, our old pal Hedorah. Yeah. Um, of, of goo that he <laughs> would go through. But because of all of the edits and cutting, only one of them is present in the final version of the film. So Rick Baker had even more effort put into this film that we don't see in the in the final product. Um, but it it has uh, it's been you know mocked by a lot of people. It's been mocked on Mystery Science Theater. Mm -hmm. It's been mocked on Red Letter Media. Um, but of course, as is the case with all of the other films that I've brought that were previously showcased on those things. I've never actually sat down and watched the full cut of it. Mm. Um, so I get the gist of what goes on. I get the, you know, its shortcomings. But this will be, like, the first time I'm sitting down, um, you know, to watch the entire thing. Mm. Um, but it is, it, you know, it's a very weird movie. Yeah. It's, it, it, it is not fantastic in its own right. But again, the effects courtesy of Rick Baker are emphasized as some of the best. They influenced, like, stuff in later movies, like there's a scene in Robocop, uh, and, and lots of other things that, that 
you know, they took the lessons from how the Melting Man was portrayed in this movie, and it was applied to future movie monsters. Mm. But it, it is... Whenever I, I think of this movie, I just I just remember that it, uh, it's very drab. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just like a very tired-looking 70s movie. <laughs> yeah. And I believe this is the one where, just because of how the lighting was done, or maybe it was because it was done in reshoots, some of the actors have, like, makeup that is, like, visibly cracking on mm -hmm. their faces because the lighting was done wrong and they've been sitting on set for God knows how long and it's like, everyone is just exhausted. Mm -hmm. um, well, there's a lot of milling about in 70s living rooms without plot happening. Okay. Um, even though, you know, obviously a grant is involved with space travel, mm -hmm. we don't get a lot of resolution. Like, some of the scenes explaining what happened to the main character are, are excised from the film, so we don't get all of the exposition and backstory, um, and we don't get a lot about the motivation of the monster <laughs> himself. Yeah. Why um, does he melt? For whom? When Red Letter Media watched the movie, I think it was, I think Rich Evans, like, came up with a headcanon that maybe in some version of the film, the Incredible Melting Man had to, uh, like, eat humans to restabilize his DNA. Mm. And then, eventually, he would have to eat his own son mm. to, you know, because that's the closest DNA match to him, he would need to do that in order to, like, Majin Buu himself back into a regular person. But that's all speculation because none of that is present in the movie. The mm. monster kind of just wanders around. He Melts kills, around. but we don't know... You know. We know he's got a compulsion to eat people, <laughs> but we don't know quite why, and we, we won't know why. Mm. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm interested to see how this goes because <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be a very doofy movie. That's but fine. I, I, you know, I wanted to bring it nonetheless. Mm -hmm. so. Well, Elvis was basically melting last week. Yeah, that's under true. Under those hot stage, okay. it's true. But we can't say. That. <laughs> <laughs> we already said we were. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. We we already said that we were going to insult celebrities. Yeah, so right, yeah. aside from the ugly '70s people that are in this yeah. movie, so. <laughs> but yeah, oh. I. I uh... I, I, if you agree, mm -hmm. I believe a rocket ship is returning from Saturn. Oh my. A drawing board was on it as their <laughs> space advisory board. Someone's got to pilot it, yeah. But he's looking a little gooey. Oh. <laughs> like me in the summer. <laughs> like an ice cream cone, ready to melt. Oh, toffee flavored. Mm. And what is that? I'm getting a hint of uncooked turkey. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, hello everyone, we're back to another episode of Sinister Six. <laughs> um, <laughs> I sort of goofed with this movie, I think. No, no, uh, we've all had our goofs. I said this was the equivalent to your Popeye. So, uh, one review that I neglected to mention before mm -hmm. we started the movie was was Mike Nelson of uh, of Mystery Science Theater 3000 fame, yeah. when uh, in like a press thing, 
was asked to describe the film, he said the plot is that it's about a man who melts, mm-hmm. and that's it. It surely that's is. That's literally yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. There's a lot of subtext to read in between the lines here. <laughs> there is. There's a lot for the audiences to infer about this film. Uh, but right off the bat, the melting man himself has done well. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I loved the score yes. for some reason. The score is very melodramatic. It's scoring things that aren't happening in the action of the movie. Yes. But yeah. I, I like the score. Um, but yeah, the, the the score maintains that atmosphere, and and Rick Break Rick Baker's effects with the Melting Man himself are consistently good. Yeah, he looks like a, a leaky combination of mayonnaise and ketchup. He but, looks like me on a Monday, Mama. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but they did the best with the tech they had, and he's and we the best did our best is going to be the the phrase yeah. of the film. Yeah, because. I can assure you, audience, nothing happens. No, um, it, it's the shortest amount of notes I've ever taken for anything I've ever podcasted on before. And the film is an hour and a half? Yeah, and I've taken... You would expect shorter notes from a 30-minute anime episode, but... But, like, there are scenes that go on for so long that you're like, this this can't just be an hour and a half. Yeah. This has to be I check the time twice, hours. and I never do that. Um... But yeah, that's the gist of, um, this is certainly like, we're gonna watch this so no one else has to for a little bit. Um, if you can find a copy, by all means, but I might have gotten the last one. I think, as I said, this would be a good Popeye double feature. To do what? Drink. Mm. (laughs) And what else? Melt. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, just to establish a few uh, running jokes that we did to keep ourselves occupied. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going off the assumption that every time someone, which is a lot, comes across, like, a leftover puddle of goo yeah. from the melting man... They've gotta taste it. They've gotta taste they've it. They've gotta take a little finger and dab it and be like, mmm. So even if we forget to say it, every time a scene of that happens, assume that they dip their finger into it and go, mmm. This is weird. Tastes like barbecue sauce? But... Yeah, what do you think melting man would taste like, Dad? Again... Near the end, the only thing I could think of was either mayonnaise and ketchup, mm. or like when you get like a chicken sandwich with buffalo sauce and mayonnaise, it's, you know, it's mm. that. But without any of the substance of the sandwich. I don't know, he seemed more jelly consistency to me. That's also possible. Yeah. But. Jelly and snot. And near the like end. that mixture. Yeah. <laughs> so don't listen to this while you're eating, but. Or do, and, if well, that's your thing. Near the end, a little bit of hot fudge. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, he'd been a little sickly sweet at the end, after being um, matured. But, yeah, so this is this is the Incredible Melting Man yeah. of 1977. There's a plot synopsis? <laughs> uh, there is. We have space credits. Yeah, yeah. And, and, no, before even that, the DVD menu we have to mention was just oh, a JPEG yeah. <laughs> of that and the 20th Century Fox Lion. Yes, it was someone uh, dragged and pasted the yeah. box art from the DVD and then the MGM logo next to each other yeah. with the options to play movies and then, <laughs> or nothing else. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of movies, Dan, mm-hmm. and I've never gotten the warning. We It was basically like we pulled this film together from footage that existed. Yes. We tried our best is what you said, and yes. that's what we got. I've never seen that in my life. Yeah, it's literally like a don't get mad at us warning at the beginning for like, I guess, I guess that's the state of that the print is in. Like yeah. they couldn't get a better copy of it. Um, and as I said... I, f- like, for Sinister Six purposes, I managed to, you know, over the years I've found a few for for our purposes on th- these episodes, <laughs> but 
I found what I would argue is a worse movie on a remastered Blu-ray. Yeah. This I this DVD was it. So huh. I don't know. Maybe maybe if we can. Considering the damage the previous episode did to the universe, maybe this episode will get a Blu-ray yeah, version of I don't, Melting Man made. You no, know, I don't think we need that, so I'm not going to condone that <laughs> in my life. I think this movie might have been better in black and white. Yeah. Maybe. I thought it was in black and white based on the, the cover art and the, the DVD box. Yes, but I'm assuming that's because they didn't have a colorized picture. Oh. I, I, mm. like, I, I have to assume that they it was to some save kind on of... Ink technical limitation but the font is in red yeah but it's layered behind melting man so it was separate jpegs i have to again they did their best yeah but we open on space credits (laughs) we got the scorpio s is going through saturn's rings at the moment scorpio six six, or scorpio five i'm sorry yeah i can't read my writing scorpio five um and the astronauts quite uh not excitingly, but they have. They have made it to Saturn. And they... Okay. We, they're in They're in the cockpit. Uh-huh. We get, like, seven minutes of them flipping switches. Mm-hmm. Grant could attest that that is important to, to turn the oven timers on in yeah. the spaceship. Mm-hmm. And... Though the audience only gets five minutes, or like like a like a like a brief five second glance of it, there is nothing more beautiful than viewing the ring, the, viewing the rising sun through the rings of Saturn. Yeah. So we get some stock footage of the Serengeti, the sun yes. rising, Lion King opening. Because they forgot to crop the land yeah. underneath it, so yeah. it's stock footage of a sunrise, and the, the sun is rising. Stock footage of a solar <laughs> flare, and. They are observing, they are looking at the sun through the rings of Saturn, mm-hmm. um, which, cursory knowledge of space, the rings of Saturn are like rock and yeah. ice. And, and they would have had to make it through the asteroid belt. Yeah, they're not, they're not like energy. They're not like a film. Yeah. So you couldn't see anything through Them. the rings of Saturn. Like nothing would, it wouldn't filter Did they know anything. that back in the 70s though? <laughs> I feel like they should have. Yeah, I think seventy-seven. Yeah. This wasn't, you know, yeah, that long ago. Um, but the the astronaut who has the window seat <laughs> sees this phenomenon like up close, and you know, while all the technical goes, readouts and wow. things, he he looks out, he gets the direct view of it, and he uh, like slumps over with a nosebleed. Yeah. So something has happened to him. Yeah, and here. Is where a chunk of the movie was cut out and nothing was replaced. It. Yeah, how did they get back? We assume they got back okay. Yeah. Somehow. The spaceship rerouted them back to Earth. We don't hear anything about the other astronauts. It's... Oh, no, he's the only survivor. Yeah. So all of the other astronauts died. Okay, but somehow the spaceship got back. We yeah. don't have that answer. No. Um, uh, many answers unanswered in this film. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote in the notes, we have to assume sun plus rings equals melt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the only survivor of this mission, a guy named Steve, yeah. is in the hospital. A fully bandaged, strapped down to the bed. We've got Nurse McStuffins and Doctor presiding yes. over yes. his body. And he's like, uh, you know, we gotta keep this on the down low because, you know, he's in pretty bad shape. 
So, you know, I know, and we're going to tell Dr. Uh, Ted Nelson, mm. because he's like... A specialist a, on this or something, or he knew him. A nondescript yeah, military we, doctor. I mean, we don't get any backstory, you just have to assume. Yeah, we don't know anything. Yeah, And um, you'd think they would have a little bit more security in this hospital, but... Well, the security. Well, the hospital. Well, the Ark of the Covenant is probably kept in there because so. it's like it's like a it's like a U store. Yeah, it's it's like they have a hospital room set. It's the boxes down the street. But it's but it's like a U store. It's yeah. it's not it's not a hospital um, by any stretch of the word. But movie imagination will give it will yeah. give it that. So uh, the nurse is sent out of the room. To go get blood. blood. Yeah, in, in jars, which I think they did back then, but even then it's very upsetting. Yeah. I don't think that would be a thing. It looks like a big jar of cranberry sauce. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was probably uh, turkey dinner. We'll get to that. And we'll get to a turkey dinner, yes we will. But uh, <laughs> Steve wakes up, easily yeah. breaks out of his bed. Yeah. yeah, just detaches his restraints. And he is horrified to see that he is in fact melting. Yeah, he's not beautiful anymore. Uh, his his hands are all messed up, and his <laughs> face is is melting. Uh, I, I do this every Monday morning, so he's screaming. <laughs> yeah. the The nurse walks in. Uh, she drops her, uh, you know, her thing of strawberry filling, yeah. and then runs. Does a slow motion run out of yeah. the 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 store. The Iconic store. sequence. Loved this. And I from, needed more of this. From what I gathered was this was one of those things where the slow motion effect was added to make it scarier. More dramatic, yeah. Like she's um, like, oh god! Why? And it goes on much longer than you would think. As does the movie. And yeah. and she, you know, she flees, she crashes through a plate glass door. It's not even a door, it's like a screen. All you had to do was push it, nudge it open. Yeah. For this hospital, this storage facility, I don't know why it's there, but she breaks through it. But yeah, she just she just charges through it. She escapes into like the, the corporate parking lot. campus parking yeah. lot that they have. Um, and then Melting Man catches up to her because we get... We get, like, one second of a monster vision thing where yeah. we see his, like, hand I from the first I think that's, like, the genuinely scary thing. His eyeball, like, tumbles out. Yeah. I yeah. was like, oh, this is good. He's like, only got one eye for I was strapped in. I said, what's coming? But I didn't know. But Nurse McStuffins is melted. She yeah. get If so when someone dies in this movie, we're just gonna say they got melted. Yeah. They got they got God. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Ted Nelson comes in and... <laughs> I keep thinking his name is Ted Lasso, and it's not. And they, 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 you know, have the nurse on the hospital bed. At <laughs> Drinking fir- coffee right next to it. Okay, okay. So, yeah. the body is giving off faint radiation. But it's not harmful, they say. Not a harmful level, but radiation. And these are just little things. These are nitpicks. Yeah. But it's our, it's, it's our job here. They got, like, an open coffee pot. They're just yeah. drinking coffee that's been in the room with the irradiated oh, body. Less than 24 inches away. And, um... But but as we'll see in the rest of this movie, people's appetites keep going in spite of the monster madness unfolding I mean, around them. After seeing that guy melts, you weren't a little hungry, Dan. I mean, I'm usually the one that's lambasted by my friends. We'll watch like a cannibal movie, and I'll be like, "Didn't that make you a little bit hungry?" Like, yeah. Oops. <laughs> but the 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 doctor is like, "This wasn't any animal." Yeah. Uh, yeah. That'll think? come up again. That'll yeah. come up again. Um, so, you know, the, the victims are radioactive, and, you know, it, it's not bad enough 
to cause harm, but we don't know if the melting syndrome is mm-hmm. contagious. Yeah. That's what they're worried yeah. about. And then you say, they say, uh, you gotta get General Perry on the phone. So then they call into, I, I don't know, the Pentagon? I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know the Pentagon was so well decorated with, like, orange and yellow squares. Like Ikea cabinets. Yeah. Um, but General Perry... It really looked like an Ikea, Dan. Another another very unpleasant character yeah. is, uh, he's like, ooh, this is, this is bad. A turnaround in seat. Now due, that we're private. Due to my lack of knowledge about anything that's happened, we I have to assume he only has, like, 24 hours before he melts. Then why... I mean, the lesser of all evils would be let him kill. I, I would assume it's... A, he's just gonna run out of time. Because it would be a PR nightmare? Yeah. I, I don't know. We don't know what the deadline is. Because I'm pretty sure it's that he's going to melt. I mean, but, if they didn't get involved, I think he would have killed less. Yes. Yeah. If... <laughs> if or even just, like, a couple extra security guards yeah. at the hospital would yeah. have... I, I, I don't... But but either way, General Perry, because of the severity of the situation, has to... is going to come in and He's make an He's got to leave his breakfast to get on a plane. Yeah, he had a grapefruit, two slices of bacon, and also... Some eggs. ...pot of yeah. coffee. Yeah. Recurring thing throughout this. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I would say... That the score hasn't quite picked up. Yeah. It's mostly beeps. All right. Um, it, it, I didn't notice it, until the end. I it, was like, oh, the score is okay at the end. It does build eventually by the end of the movie. We get like a full soundtrack, but for the opening parts here, it's the Mr. Krabs beboop beboop yeah. thing yeah. that keeps happening. So uh, Melty Man has escaped, and we see that he stumbles upon uh, who I dubbed Gordon Fisherman, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's fishing in like a sewer runoff. Yeah. Puddle. It shouldn't be fishing there and he is eating a sandwich on a little picnic that he set up for himself and drinking a beer. Yeah. And goes, "Who's stumbling through the reeds over there? I can't see you quite." Yeah, even though there's no leaves and there's no foliage, he can't see the melting man yeah. coming for him. It turns out it's the melting man. He reaches in, detaches his head, throws it in the the canal. And that head goes for a trip. Yeah. It sees the world, we Dan. keep checking back in yeah. on that head. Yeah, I thought that head was going to play a little bit. How's your head, Dan? <laughs> uh, th- this is where... No complaints. <laughs> That's the response, Dan. <laughs> to to keep the, 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 the pulse-pounding action going, we cut back to Ted Nelson yeah. making SpaghettiOs in his kitchen. Yeah. His all-brown well, 70s kitchen. No, he complains that there's no crackers yeah, to his well, wife. He's eating... I, I don't know. He's eating like he's a eating hot there. water because he filled it up with like sink water. But we got your iconic Ajka, Ajka. Because I'm assuming the director told him, "Okay, react like you just burnt your hand." And the like the the actor like clumsily, yeah, Ajka, yeah, like it. That, it that's didn't, fine. It, it I didn't, accept that. Just leave it in. Before that, though, he's on that thing with the doctor. Yes. Like that mover that's going at ten times the volume of the dialogue. Oh yeah, the slow mobile. Yeah. I, no, I did. Yeah, I did make a note of that. Yeah, they, there's I got like, it. There's a very loud exposition. There's a very like nothing exposition scene where <laughs> him and the doctor. It's are like, on, oh, how many times have you tried to get pregnant? Three. Like she's this is pregnant the third again. Time. Yeah. yeah, we're finally like we're hoping to finally have the baby this time. I'm happy for you. <laughs> but we can barely hear any of this because yeah. they're on like a big stupid Final Fantasy platform. Yeah. And it, 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 the ambient noise is, is, it drowns out the dialogue. Mm-hmm. But we get the, you know, the, again, the gist is that they've tried to get pregnant three times. Yeah. The third Judy time. Judy is her name, I think. The Judy wife? is the yeah. wife's name. And he's like, did you tell Judy about Steve, a.k.a. the Melting Man? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. 
And we get dialogue here that I'm not entirely sure how, if it was supposed to be building something like, oh yeah, Steve and Judy were always, like, really close, or Steve really liked Judy or something like that. That has to be it. And I wild stalk this family. I, I, you know, that has to be, like, I'm assuming that's yeah. part of, that's an excised plot We could have saved this movie if they brought us on. Yeah, just do a little script like, doctoring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I could have stood in for Judy, it's fine. But we we have to assume that that in life Steve had a thing for Judy, yeah. and then that's part of what yeah. is causing him to to, mm-hmm. to go there. Um, uh, but uh, what, 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 I gotta okay. Yeah. So then, uh, Ted Nelson, who is a very sallow and depressed individual, yeah, not the best character. I hate him. Um, yeah, very unlikable. Uh, he's, like, having a passive-aggressive argument with his wife because she forgot to buy crackers. Um, he's eating his his goop, and he's like, yeah, we got a melting man on the loose. I'm not supposed to tell you, so don't fucking mention... And she's like, is it radiation? Maybe you should try and find him, like... Yeah, I'm gonna use the Geiger... Like, he's, like, very mad... And he's like, yeah, no, I, I guess I do gotta find him. Yeah. Like he's, he's just an asshole. Yeah. And he's like, he's literally an asshole. But, but I gotta, we're gonna, you know, I gotta go out and use the Geiger counter to find him. But again, we, we do have to question why he took the time for a leisurely lunch. But yeah. again, recurring motif we'll won't be the last time. Yeah, in, in, in a second. So Steve, the melty man, is stumbling through the the shrubbage. Putting his melty hands on everything, mm-hmm. leaving slime trails, and then we meet these two kids that are just smoking cigarettes. Yeah, they because it's the seventies. It's whatever, you know. Yeah. They they found a cigarette. So you fucking weenie, you can't inhale. <laughs> yeah, they they found a cigarette. They're smoking it. Dan and I have done this. It's fine. One of your famous Jonathan bits was uh, oh, Mary Mrs. Ryan, Sue. Mrs. Ryan. Mary Sue shows up. Whatever this little girl's name, she's like in a full Beyonce uh, denim, denim one piece. Denim one piece, and she goes. Oh, I'm gonna tell unless you give me a hit, and then yeah. she can't handle the hit. And it, it, it's uh, these three kids are are the next uh, sort of well, not victims because they I think they end up being. No, okay. they all get away. It's fine. They're not gonna murder a child. But we get a very extended scene of them playing hide and, and seek. seek. Yeah, in this Florida Everglades, <laughs> wherever they're at, yeah, like this poison ivy multi tiered sewage runoff pipe mm. that they're playing hide and seek and um the girl sees some of the slime on the tree mm. and once again like just dips her hand in it and, and sees what it's about um but while looking for the other boys or uh, you know while they're playing she encounters the melting man mm-hmm. she is scared she runs back to her mother uh, who's in a matching outfit and is is like uh, well, she's I, like it's Frankenstein, it's Frankenstein, and I'd go, no, sweetie, it's Frankenstein's monster. We've yeah. read that book before. Yeah. Like yeah. slap her a couple times across the face. We can't be cinematique and not. I taught you better that. than that, yeah. Um, but you're like no more scary movies like Megan. And then I was like, it's clearly the movie's clearly a Frankenstein parody. Yes, without the yeah. comedy, yeah. like the comedy was removed <laughs> surgically. I don't, so. I don't know if there was comedy in Frankenstein. It was more like uh, ethos no, 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 no. or pathos. Yeah, no, I mean like a parody oh, yeah, of yes, Frankenstein yes, without yes. with that, with the parody removed. Yeah. I think so. that's what they were striving for, but they need a little bit. Yeah, I think that little girl needed to die. Uh, I do like when she's running back to her mom. We do get that scene where the the two knuckleheads are like, <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> found a magazine. They found a Playboy, yeah. so that's that's what they're all Which about. Which I kind of loved. I was like, all right, I, I like this vibe. So um, it, we we. we 
Okay, I'm trying to because th- I wrote I'm, I wrote down a joke where Nelson is like mm-hmm. he's he's on the f- okay okay <laughs> so the hide and seek scene happens. Yeah. Nelson goes out there for like a 15 minute scene where he's walking around with the guy you're stumbling, counter, yeah, and he's like shouting for Steve. He has no Steve, indication. Steve, I love you. Yeah, like I'm lonely. You could come. Where are you? Yeah, Just answer. I help you. And he doesn't find him. He gives up rather easily. Well, th- this poor actor, as you said, was probably forced to stumble around in the heat. Yes, with this Geiger counter, looking at bushes all day, or in the cold, because it could have also been cold because they're all wearing jackets. Yeah. But I don't know. It just—it's like Los Angeles area like abandoned lots yeah so i i don't know it what feels the... like an la movie i said to dan that the toxic avenger would be our equivalent of this but um speaking of gross things we get the desert photo shoot yeah there is it, it had to be 70 someone's top had to come off dan uh, yeah so i knew that going in there is a creepy photographer in like a christmas sweater well stand to me like <laughs> come on baby yeah taking pictures of a scantily clad model mm-hmm. In the middle of the the gross desert, and they're like taking pictures. Yeah, come on. And he's like, "Take your top off." So like, ah, oh, that wasn't part of the yeah. deal. And then he rips her top off. I was like, "Oh." Well. And then they kind of landed a better joke than Mad Monster Party because she's like, "Don't get handsy," and then she steps back onto a guy's a hand. hand. Yeah. So that's ah, that's ah, all. Ah, that's ah, all ah, I ah. wanted. Yeah. Um, but. The, the 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 crack squad of local law enforcement oh shows up. Um, and Ted Nelson, who has just picked up General Perry from... Yeah, the airport, the steps airport. off, taps his foot, and goes, what are we eating? Well, no, you need to take me somewhere where I can yeah. change. Yeah. Because he's in his spring breeze where he needs to change into summer formal. And he, they're driving along in the, the iconic green Toyota, the olive green Toyota yeah. that Nelson owns, and they come across... Just an ambulance. Like, I don't like the look of that. Mm-hmm. Could be the melting man. Yeah. Get over there. Photographer's still taking photos. The police haven't batted him away. And the the um the the body that was found by the model, it was it was the body of the fisherman. Mm-hmm. And his head is gone, obviously, and his entire torso has been caved in and melted. Um and Nelson, thinking fast, you know, is like, oh, yeah. It was a bear that did this. Mm-hmm. Or a slug, perhaps. There's no bears around here, Dan. And General Nelson does or General Perry does nothing. He's kind of just sitting in the in the, you know, Jeep being suspicious. And there's two random old people who are yeah, I, like standing there. You know, they're like the secretary, I guess. Just, they they don't yeah. say anything. Mm-hmm. Um but the sheriff is obviously suspicious, and he, he has a feeling why he has the feeling we don't know, mm-hmm. but he has the feeling that Ted Nelson is involved in this somehow. Yeah, uh, and there's more to the story than he's letting on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three quote-unquote heroes, being Nelson, General <laughs> Perry, and Doctor, are back at HQ. I don't know where yeah. HQ the lab, and uh, Nelson sadly calls his wife, and he's like, I don't fucking know what an asshole! It's like, why call her? She's like, um, are you coming to dinner? We didn't find the fucking melting man yet. I oh. don't know when I'll, you know, I Do guess... Do you want to, like, come home? I mean... <laughs> and he, he agrees to come home for dinner. Yeah. Doctor can't join, but General Perry is more than happy to accept the yeah, dinner Yeah, well, invite. he wants a free food invitation. Um... 
but but then Nelson discovers that to his sadness or further dismay, I guess, uh, that Judy's mom <laughs> and her new beau Harold oh. are coming over for dinner. Oh, the best characters in the film by far. And I was worried that this wasn't this scene was that I was thinking yeah. of the wrong movie. Yeah. Um, but iconic scene where uh, Judy's mom Helen. And her mm-hmm. beau Harold are yeah. driving. Yeah, it's very Dan and me in our 80s. Yes. It's gonna be us where I'm like, Dan, we should have brought them something over. I don't buy people flowers because flowers die. <laughs> oh, look, Dan, an orange grove. Those are lemons, you gavone. Well, we can pick them anyway. So, okay, so they're driving along a pitch black road because yeah. Harold says that he's gonna take a shortcut. Take a shortcut. And we get extensive shots of Melting Man wandering through this very yeah. same lemon patch. Yeah. Uh, the sour patch, if you will. And mm. he... The 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 old folks, uh, at Helen's insistence, they're going to pull over and steal some lemons from this lemon patch yeah. in order so that, that she can make Harold... Lemon meringue pie. Yeah. Not for the party, not for the dinner or anything, yeah. but they'll have the lemons for Where do you on. put them, Dan? Right here in my pouch. <laughs> Yeah, like he's gonna he's gonna scoop the lemons and fold them into her like dress. They're oranges though, Dan, not lemons. They are lemons though. No, they're oranges. They're yellow. But oranges I don't think they're lemons, Dan. I think he says they're I, oranges. I will die on this hill. All right, he said, all right. No, she mistakenly says that they're oranges. Oh, and then he's But like, they're actually lemons. Oh yeah. Alright. That's why they're making a lemon meringue pie. You all can't right. do that oh, okay. with no oranges. Mm-hmm. Um but the things we talk about in this podcast. <laughs> well, this is like it, this scene is like twenty minutes. So, mm. it, it, you know, they they get startled because the the lemon patch owner has like a Doberman pincer yeah. guarding his lemons, mm-hmm. rightfully so, because people are always fucking stealing them. Yeah, I assume those lemon whores. <laughs> so they <laughs> shamble back to the car. We think that the monster is pursuing them because we don't think the melting man can pull off like serial killer stuff um but they get back into the car presumably because the doberman pincer was separate movie footage so he couldn't he wasn't gonna chase them no um but they 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 barely get back into the car they're quite winded and sure enough melting man he's in the back seat well we hear him breathing (laughs) i thought we're gonna do a joke with like morty you're breathing awful heavy yeah, but they don't. Uh, they don't. But Melting Man somehow got into the back seat and murders them. Because <laughs> again, it's like a pristine all white Cadillac, yeah. and you would think that Melting Man would have left some kind yeah. of indication. And poor that mother and Harold murdered. They get melted. Yeah. Um. So so back in the uh, the back in the Nelson household, Judy is getting upset because her mother has not checked in. Yeah, she feels her mother's dead already. I feel like she knows that. We we get some exposition. Yeah. Like I can't call Harold. Harold's phone it's was funny. disconnected. So Harold has a backstory that we're not yeah. privy to. But you know, um, and 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 Judy is very concerned because obviously her mother is missing while a melting man is on the loose. Is on the loose. Yeah. General Perry, who had been napping. <laughs> comes out of the black void it's that like, is I'm the hungry. other side of the yeah. set and he's like, what's that about a melting bed? Did you tell her, Nelson? Uh, and Nelson's like, yeah, I I told her to be safe. <laughs> and no conflict erupts. No. Uh, it, like, the general's just like, yeah. I, I, I don't even remember what... He's like, how could you? I don't, he doesn't even do that. He's like, well, fine. 
oh, we're gonna go find him. Judy takes a step. Oh Judy's yeah, she like, like she breaks down. It's like if there's a melting man on the loose, you should go fucking find him. In- instead of napping and eating and drinking, yeah, you should go find the melting. Man. Even though he's got 24 <laughs> hours, just stay locked up. You'll be fine. And they've already burned like eight hours. Don't go into any lemon patches. You'll be okay. So with that, uh, Nelson begrudgingly goes with the general on another search for the melting oh. man. Um, and uh, meanwhile, the Melting Man is in a styrofoam graveyard yeah. set. <laughs> Honestly, Digimon did it better with the 2D animation. But he's there, he's recalling his his launch and yeah. looking at the, the sun's beams through Saturn's rings. That's all we really get from, like, it's just, he keeps repeating the, mm-hmm. the, the countdown thing. I didn't feel bad for him. I was like, just, you know, I think your life is pain. Maybe you should just die. Yeah. And it... Again, the movie, with just more time with him, probably would have been for the best, but we spend, it's, we just keep adding more unpleasant people, (laughs) so, um... Uh, Perry and the doctor are running along, and then Perry's like, I could use a drink. Yeah, like, You could use a drink! (laughs) Two minutes later, like, Perry's like, you know, I was married once, are you afraid of the missus? And he's like, no, I'm ashamed. But you were being a dick before the Melting Man thing happened, so I don't know, I I, I don't, you know, maybe that's just you, I I don't know. And the Melting Man is observing what's-her-name through the window. Yes. So there's a whole vendetta against this family that's not explained. Because Judy is knitting. Knitting constantly with her butterfly macrame background. And it's, it's like ten minutes of the film are cutting back- Her knitting. Her knitting. Yeah. Uh, Melting Man looking through the window, her knitting- Vice versa, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. Um, she is startled when she hears glass breaking. Um, Ted? <laughs> but it turns out to be the cat mittens. He has somehow broken a milk dish in the middle of the room. Uh, but we're not going to that. No. It's uh, not for us to, to pick yeah. apart. Um, so it, it, they eventually... Well, it's Elise the cat. Elise the yeah, cat. Yeah, we got to name the cat the right name. Um, so... Yeah, Nelson then, comes back and yeah. scares her. He's like, "Damn, what's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> and so Nelson and Perry are back at the house. If you if you had trouble keeping up, um, but they do uh, very quickly get a phone call that Harold and Helen well, have been found. She knows her mother's dead. Yes, so she's like, "Oh, I feel that my mother's dead." But we get two scenes of that. Yeah. We get a scene of that in the living room, and then a scene of that in their poltergeist bedroom. It is the poltergeist bedroom. They yeah. need to pull out some weed from the drawer, Mama. Yeah, they got like the weird headboard from that movie. Mm-hmm. But she's like, uh, "But, but then Nelson gets a phone call, and he's like, oh, yeah. shucks. Yeah. Oh, oops." <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They've died if they've been in an accident. And she's like, was it a melting man accident? And ha- like, Judy... Here, have a sedative. But Judy's not even that distraught. She's no. like, oh. I knew. And uh, assuming that she's hysterical, Nelson gives her a sedative and... This will help you sleep. Is like, I'm gonna go and, like, meet up with the sheriff. General Perry's here to take care of you. Yeah, the great oh, General no. Perry is going to stay <laughs> behind. To sleep. <laughs> and, okay, the clock says that it's 11, 11. 11 p.m. 11, 11. Yeah. And, like, as he's leaving, Nelson is to, like, Perry, like, oh, by the way, if you're hungry, like, help yourself to a, the turkey that's in the front. Yeah. And there's Perry's a lot like, of <laughs> emphasis put on this. <laughs> But again, it's like 11 p.m. and they've had like seven meals yeah. since the movie began. Uh-huh. So, 
we get the sense that Perry's just been crashing on the couch, drinking their beer and, and eating, eating their food. Their food. Yeah. Um, but Perry does help himself to more beer and a big undercooked 70s yeah. turkey leg. Uh, and I, I guess an open bowl of mashed potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> it is just piling it's, it on. It's no just microwave needed. Just eat straight from the fridge. Is, is He's just like sitting there. Uh, Living life, gesturing with this turkey turkey leg. So uh, back at the crime scene for uh, Helen and Maud, er, yeah. Maud and uh, Harold Har- Harvey, Maud. whatever yeah. the yeah. Uh, you know, Nelson tells the sheriff uh, who we assume he's friends with, but he's again he's also a dick Frenemies, to the sheriff. Yeah. Um, but the sheriff is like, "You're not going anywhere until you tell me what's going on." I can't tell you. And but I'll tell you anyway. It is one of the worst acted exchanges I have ever seen <laughs> in one of these movies. It is like, but I can't tell you. Like, like it's it's like this brief spark of life from mm-hmm. from Ted Nelson mm-hmm. that is nowhere else in the movie. No. And he's like, okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> but, but you can't tell anyone else. It, and, like, the sheriff has been making very obvious deductions. Like, I could tell that that big stupid guy in the car with you, yeah. he had general written all yeah. over him. Yeah. So there's a cover-up going on. And uh, Nelson's like, okay, I'll tell you on the car ride over. Uh, so back at the house, uh, Steve gets melted. <laughs> well, St- Steve, he yeah. goes out with his turkey leg. General Perry. General Perry. He goes out he with his turkey leg. He opens the door leg. and gets melted, Dan. Um, he gets melted. He gets, like, his face bitten. Um, and he's thrown onto the front lawn. Mm-hmm. Melting Man does not go into the house, despite the door being open. He mm-hmm. continues to just walk yeah. around the perimeter looking in the windows. So I think he had a thing for Judy. It just was cut out of the script. Yes. Um, so uh, then we introduce uh, two new characters. Yeah, two young lovers. Oh, okay. Before that, oh. um, uh, Steve and I... Uh, oh, no, never mind. Well, no, they arrive yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're they... like... Uh, she's, uh, he, Steve goes to Judy like... Yeah. Oh, wake up, wake up, wake up. And she goes, I had the strangest thing. General Perry was being murdered outside. Yeah, that happened. Go back to sleep. Yeah. Uh, shh, no jimmies now. Yeah. Just, uh, okay. Then we introduce our f- mm-hmm. almost final set of unlikable okay. characters. A denim boyfriend and stoned girlfriend? Yeah, I guess. They are arriving back, presumably after a night of 70s partying, uh, for some nookie mm-hmm. at his house. He's beautifully decorated, He's got stately house. I put that in my notes. Dan said this is beautifully decorated. It is not. Well, he's got a collection of vases. No, it's... When you see Denim Boyfriend, you don't think that he's going to have, like, an antique house filled yeah. with books and, mm. like, vases Art, Art Nouveau and, yeah. posters yeah. all over the place. Art Nouveau. Art Nouveau. Yeah. Um, but we we have to assume it was one of the production crew's houses, yeah. and they did they didn't take down the decorations. Mm. Um, but it's 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 not a good house. It's, we could have filmed that here. There's like water stains. Yeah. There's yeah, the, the the paint is peeling. A layer of cigarette smoke over the uh, linoleum. It's yeah. it's like a it, 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 it's I, I it's fitting for this next scene that happens. So denim boyfriend goes in first. Um, because after they find the, the, the mayo-ketchup combo on the doorknob, he's like, something's off. I'm going to go inside, check it out. Uh, stoned girlfriend waits outside for like five minutes, 
follows him in. Mm-hmm. She she goes in a very extensive scene of Slowly. walking through the house. Yeah. She comes upon the kitchen, which is completely destroyed and covered in blood. Yeah. Which it was before mm-hmm. the Melting Man attacked, mm-hmm. but there's also goop in places now. And I must say, in terms of set decoration, <laughs> this kitchen... This kitchen was grosser than anything even the Melting Man provided. There's wow. Like, there's like an overturned pot of chili. You wouldn't have loved to live here, Dan? <laughs> there's like... Yeah. There's like... I, I, Maybe I just, look at the place you live, Dan. I, I just... I gotta say, it's like I can't tell what the Melting Man did and what was just ketchup sprayed all oh over the gosh. place. Um, it, it, it's like a... I don't know. It's like a Hills Have Eyes house. Yeah. And... Stoned girlfriend quickly realizes that something is wrong. Yeah. That a monster. Well, she is afoot. sees presumably her dead boyfriend. Yes, and then he got runs, melted. Yeah, runs into the kitchen, grabs a meat cleaver, locks the door, locks her escape out of the kitchen. Yes. Well, she puts the fridge in front of yeah. the door, and melting man does not pay attention to the second entrance to the kitchen, and she also does not go out the back door either. Um, instead, she phones the police. Mm-hmm. Hysterical, saying that an angry man who is melted is is in their residence, and she stays huddled in a corner. Yeah, uh, the sheriff gets a uh, <laughs> you know uh, uh, after, a beeper, whatever they had back then. After we get an oddly goofy scene where the Geiger counter picks up the turkey leg, and he's like, yeah. "Oh, ho, ho, it's, it's a turkey leg. leg. Yeah. Don't worry." And they they go to investigate Denim boyfriend's house. Where I believe Stone Girlfriend is okay, mm-hmm. um, yeah. because Melting Man has already fled by the time they get there, mm-hmm. and he has fled into the Final Fantasy VII Midgar yeah. Industrial Park. Yeah, um, well, he passes some. Uh, uh, what is the word for it? It's not homeless. It's uh, without homes. I forget what they. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and and they are not victims of the Melting Man. They no. just see him. And they say, we ain't gonna say anything about him. And yeah, they, Don't let him notice, though. It, so Melting Man very, very slowly advances towards this industrial plant. Again, quality film location. Mm. Seems to be easy to rent. Yeah. We've seen this before in many yeah. movies. We will see it in many more. Um, and, and picking up the Scooby-Doo uh, goop puddles... You know, Nelson and his sheriff sidekick are able to follow him yeah. to this industrial well, park. They're like, don't shoot. I was like, shoot him. He's killed people. Yeah, but the bullets don't do much. Because uh, he's yeah. well, he Still, yeah, he runs, right though. Um, so, it, they chase Melting Man into this industrial park. And the score is trying. score is trying to make, you know, because you're trying to raise the excitement level because they climb stairs for mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> there is just, like, running around this factory playing cat and mouse with the melting man mm-hmm. who should not have the speed capabilities that he does, but because, uh, you know, Nelson is observing this, he's like, I, uh, I just don't understand it. Melting Man is getting stronger. Mm-hmm. He's getting stronger and faster and smarter. And it's like, I don't know if it's that. I think it's because you're both 70s guys who yeah. are like... Out of shape. You've smoking, drinking, eating. Day, yeah. and, and like, you know, maybe you just can't keep up with yeah. the incredible Melting Man. Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe he's not... His power level is not increasing. Um, they keep chasing him. Score keeps going. And then they start making the climb. Yeah. 
Uh, Miley Cyrus's uh, It's the Climb. Up to the top of the Final Fantasy VII scaffolding. Um, you know, uh, in a scuffle, the sheriff uh, attempts to, like, confront the Melting Man while Ted Nelson stands there and doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sheriff gets thrown off of the top. He lands on some power lines and explodes. Yes. He falls to the ground. Yeah. In a cool death, I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, it's it's visually something. You can kind of see the firecrackers, <laughs> but he, he ex- Sheriff explodes, and we keep emphasizing that. He, he fucking explodes. Like, you look down, and there's a pile of ash where <laughs> the, the sheriff was. Yeah. Um, and this is when a couple of uh, a Keystone cops <laughs> yeah. show up to see that a man has just been exploded mm-hmm. here. And they're like, what's going on up there? We're supposed to be the security guards. Mm-hmm. So they, they start coming up the stairs. Yeah. Ted Nelson is is trying his best to talk Steve down. Yeah, help me, Steve. I remember you. Well, Steve almost tosses him off the top, but then somehow, with his gelatinous arm <laughs> muscle, manages to, you know, he pulls Ted Nelson back up onto the platform, saving him. So he's got some spark of humanity left mm-hmm. in him. The Keystone Cops finally arrive. Uh... To our delight, they open fire and kill Dr. Ted Nelson. Right through the head, man. They're like, what are you doing? Back down! Probably the best story decision yeah, this film. Like, great, we would have done the same. Yeah, we didn't need Ted Nelson anymore. No. Uh, but Melting Man flees after killing the two cops. And he... Well, really nothing. He, no. he wanders he back down. stumbles through his life, yeah. He Somber music plays... He collapses against the wall of a warehouse and then just fully melts. Yeah. Presumably, he wails because... and melts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the next morning, oh. an un- like the one factory employee returns to work. Uh, he's listening to a radio announcement about how Saturn Seven is being sent into space mm-hmm. for another, or Scorpio Seven. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. is being sent on another mission to Saturn mm-hmm. to keep building on the precedent sent by, you know, the previous astronauts, because presumably they're covering up this melting man incident. Mm-hmm. And we just get a scene of the, the employee showing up. I have to assume it was the actual actor reacting to this. It's mm-hmm. just like a puddle of bloody goop on the side of his office. Like we got to clean that up. And he starts like picking it up with paper towels and Some tissues. Some really violent sneeze, I guess. <laughs> and, and like, Putting it in a trash can, and yeah. then he goes and gets, like, a he's pooper like, scooper. He's like, this is enough. I can't do this. And we we have to assume that he spends the rest of his morning frustratedly cleaning up at the Melting Man. Um, Ted Nelson is just dead. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> so, how the film ends, Dan. And that's that's it. It, it. it just does stop. It just I it just ends. I don't know what to say about this film, Dan. That's understandable. This is definitely Popeye levels. I'm sorry. You know, the original. We could have had this back-to-back and ended Sinister Six right at the beginning. But yeah. that wasn't the case, unfortunately. Yeah, it wasn't in the cards. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some good elements. Elements I liked the nurse running through the window. Yeah. I liked the old couple the getting murdered in the lemon yeah. patch. Yeah. But other than that, a rough watch, Dan. Rough, and, rough, rough. And again, good Melting Man practical effects. Wish we mm-hmm. would have seen the other stages of his Melting Man affliction. Um, but it was cut in the service of, of what I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what we're left with. Mm. I mean, in retrospect, I think in terms of 
In terms of laugh factor, I, I think that the, the two remaining after today... Um, which I'll replace with something just as, as, as terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, despite of what I said at the beginning of the episode, I think you did pick the boring one. Yeah. So, it, it it's hope for the future, okay. I think. I All would right. say. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Not much else, though. <laughs> Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Well, shall we end this episode? I, I would appreciate it. get back that. to anime? Yeah. Mm. Yes. <laughs> So with that, Dan, our episode has ended. Where can our audience reach us on social media? You can follow me on Instagram at King underscore Danis, where I intend to post some uh, podcast-adjacent artwork. You can also follow our Anime Was Not a Mistake Instagram and Facebook pages. Hmm. You can find me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram and the TikTok. You can follow me also on Drink and Read JK on Twitter. And if you like podcasts, check out Nightcaps of the Theater, an older version, where we watch some of those movies we brought up in the earlier segment of the episode. And uh, if you like classic literature, check out Two Seasons of Drink and Read, where I read War and Peace and Dune. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Mm. Good sci-fi. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Mm. Um, I don't know. Care to ask me the question, Dan, of what's coming next? What is coming next? What is coming next, Dan? Well, unbeknownst to you, and for the first time, I think, Jonathan's bringing a sports anime to the podcast. Yes, yeah. What a celebratory event we have here. And uh, this sports anime, it's very short. We've got uh, three episodes coming at us before the 200th episode. Mm -hmm. uh, we're watching Skate the Infinity. So all you kids out there who are into this. Yeah. You know, I, I have my ear to the pavement. Yeah. If you, if you want, like, a return to being hip after the Incredible Melting Man, yeah. then well, what better way to do it? Yeah. But, uh... So, let's get our boards out, Dan. <laughs> I think I'm plenty bored say? for the both of us. Oh, 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 I'm going to oh. go have a few more beers. Uh, well, good night, everybody. Let's go have a nap. <laughs> what? You survived anime was not a mistake spin-off series? The Sinister Six? Well, there's always next time. <laughs> As you wait with bated breath, remember to rate, review, subscribe, where most podcasts are easily found, including Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, and more. Remember, boils and ghouls, if you enjoyed the hosting by me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, stand-in Cryptkeeper, and the Igor of my eye, Daniel Ryan, support us on social media. And last, but certainly not least, remember to reach out to us on Anime Was Not A Mistake Pod on Instagram, or follow Anime Was Not A Mistake Podcast on Facebook. This way, we can continue to make our anime-based dreams come true, and your nightmares a reality. <laughs> Until we meet again, remember to constantly ask yourself, is anime a mistake? We know for certain that any film with the Sinister Six misnomer is destined for depravity.